Welcome to Motley Fool Money. I'm Chris Hill, and I'm joined by Motley Fool Senior Analyst Seth Jason, James Early, and Shannon Zimmerman. Guys, happy Friday the 13th. And to you as well, Chris. Well, Chris, yep. On today's show, Disney delivers, home builder stock stage a rally, and Playboy goes looking for a friend with benefits. All that, plus, as always, three stocks on our radar. But we begin with this week's joint appearance at Columbia University's Business School by Warren Buffett and Bill Gates. Buffett said the financial panic is over and the bottom has come in stocks. Gates said we made some mistakes, but that our financial system is still strong. Shannon, these are two guys with a pretty healthy track record of success. Uh, What did you take away from their musings? Well, for me, the Warren Buffett piece of it is uh, of a piece with the Burlington purchase, and it's almost as though he's writing his own autobiography on the way out. Warren Buffett, great American investor. So he buys the the iconic railroad, the part of it that he didn't already own, and he's, you know, out touting the great American recovery. The panic is over, certainly. I I think we've sort of uh, been running as a theme here on the podcast. Has the market gone so far that the uh, economic recovery is going to have to be tremendously robust to support not only where we've gotten to, but what we would uh, see going forward in the stock market. I, you know, I have to defer to, to Warren Buffett, maybe not so much Bill Gates on that, but I think there's a little bit of theater going on here as well. James? But have you ever noticed that, that wherever Becky Quick is, uh, Warren Buffett is there too? I mean, he's... <laughs> he's I don't know if he's... Warren likes this, this the what? small, cute ladies. This was hosted... Yeah, I should point out this was hosted on CNBC by Becky Quick, one of the co-hosts of Squawk Box. Exit question. Both these guys actually do have day jobs where they are overlooking companies Microsoft and Berkshire Hathaway. If you had equal shares of both, which one do you think is doing better over the next five years? Yeah, uh, next five to ten years, I'm going to say Berkshire because I think the the operating system game is going to be commoditized away. James, I might have to go Microsoft just because of its valuation. I would go Microsoft because I think they're going to do fairly well. Valuation's nice. They're going to pay out the cash flows, and Berkshire Hathaway is Berkshire Hathaway. I own it, but didn't a bunch of us, didn't we all tout Microsoft, you know, a few weeks or months ago when it was a lot lower than now? How many many people (laughs) at the table bought it? Uh, We should have taken our own Not me. Yeah, oops. The Fed announced on Thursday it will prohibit banks from charging overdraft fees on ATMs and debit cards unless a customer has agreed to pay extra for exceeding account balances. The rules will kick in next year and will not apply to printed checks or regularly recurring debits from checking accounts. Guys, sounds like great news for consumers, but what does this mean for lenders who collected, I'm still blown away by this number, $37 billion in overdraft fees last year? Well, $37 billion! Well, well, bad news for them, but I have to say that this must have Greenspan spinning in his grave because... <laughs> No, wait, he's still alive. Te- technically still alive. <laughs> but but remember, when Greenspan ran the Fed, uh, banks just got to do whatever they wanted, including, you know, minor things like this and other minor things like, uh, you know, nearly crater the entire world economy and have us all eating squirrels for dinner. But this is very good news for consumers because, let's be honest, banks have been very sleazy about this for years, trying to pretend they were doing you a favor when the obvious technological solution to somebody making an overdraft on their debit card is to just say, hey, not enough money there. Thought you'd like to know. Not not give them the money and then charge them $30, $40 for you know, giving them a buck 50. So this is going to be bad news for some banks because it's been a, a, a good profit center. But uh, I, I'm not going to cry for the banks. Yeah, and if you're broke, but you, you know like to take a lot of women out to dinner anyway, you could still opt for this Protection. Like Warren Buffett, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, you could still opt for this this pr- overdraft protection. It's not a, a required thing, but 
I think the Fed overall is, is, is really trying to assert itself in, in the face of, of regulatory change that's, that's coming through the Senate right now. There, there might be this separate banking regulator, and the Fed's trying to kind of show up. And this is the right thing to do. It's just a little bit late. They're kind of like running their hands up in the air going, ooh, ooh, look what we did before exactly. you take away all our power. Shannon, on a scale of 1 to 10, how big effect is this going to have on bank stocks? On uh, bank stocks, probably next to none. On bank stock analysts, uh, I think that it's a very sad story, very a little covered angle of this story. That was the one part of the income statement that was not smoke and mirrors. What are they going to do now? <laughs> Definitely much tougher for the bank stock analysts. All right, Intel is paying one and a quarter billion dollars to settle an antitrust lawsuit that AMD filed back in 2005. The lawsuit alleged companies like HP and Dell were pressured to sell only Intel-based computers or limit their AMD sales to some small percentage of revenues. The companies did this in return for Intel rebates that were said to be big enough to turn quarterly losses into profits. Shares of AMD were up 24% on the news, shares of Intel down slightly. Yeah, I mean, the, the the ironic thing is they're paying out all this money and it doesn't really solve their biggest problem. I mean, AMD has sort of been like the ex-wife wanting more alimony uh, all these years and, and, and Intel has paid them and that's going to help, but they still have a number of states, like uh, most recently uh, Andrew Cuomo, New York Attorney General, is, is now after them for, for their, their competitive practices as well as the FTC. And that, th- that I think, is the, the biggest concern that they have. And this doesn't actually address that problem. Uh, yeah, in terms of that, that is the bigger problem. In terms of the, the monetary amount, it's it's chicken feed basically. You know, Intel spews out 1.25 billion every time someone sneezes in a foundry. So it doesn't do anything for the investment case. I think it looks cheap on a going forward basis. Uh, but if I own shares right now, I would not uh, buy additional shares or sell them. I would probably just stand pat. I don't own Intel. Well, the best thing about this is probably that a, a share of AMD can now get you a happy meal, uh, maybe even <laughs> a, a full value meal at McDonald's. But seriously, this is this is a, a subject I hesitate to weigh in on. Our listeners may not know, but AMD s- stock has a cadre of loyal followers who are maybe only third or fourth in sort of craziness behind They're passionate. the XM serious types or, or dare I say the Apple types. And they're probably already writing us letters about how we don't know anything and Intel deserves all the horrible things it's gotten. But as far as most consumers are concerned, and I, I'm on the nerdy edge, I build my own computers. A few years ago, AMD was a preferred chip for the money. You got a little more performance, perhaps. And uh, they were having, a, they were taking some market share after a long struggle. But then, the as often happens in the tech industry, the tide sort of changed, and Intel's chips moved ahead. They forged ahead. As far as most consumers are concerned, Intel chips are cheap enough, offer enough performance, and they have no reason to go asking for an AMD chip. Quite frankly, they wouldn't care if AMD disappeared. So. If Intel was using throwing some elbows, that's not good. But it it ain't the only reason they're ahead. Yeah, the, the only reason AMD exists, you know, in a big picture sense, is probably because Intel is so good in the first place. I mean, if not Intel, who's the competition in the U.S.? Yeah. And and Intel really needs AMD to stick around. Otherwise, the government will be on their back nonstop. So they need a kind of sickly, pathetic AMD to keep limping along. Uh, just two two follow up points. So is everyone noticing the secret theme that Seth is working through the podcast? So we've had a uh, reference to squirrel meat, mm. and now the value meal. And, you know, AMD Ooh. is trading in the sixes, <laughs> so you can get the Angus third of a pound beef value meal. Excellent. Home builder stocks got a boost this week after upbeat reports from Toll Brothers, Beezer, and Comstock. Guys, should investors be taking a look? Well, Chris, we've had mixed results on 
things home related for the past year or so. But the thing that really stands out here with me is that Toll Brothers is doing well, and Toll Brothers typically uh, does houses that are half a million bucks and up. In other words, it's a it's a, a more upscale builder, and these aren't typically first-time homebuyer type houses that would you know be benefiting from this this first-time homebuyer credit, unless you're in a costly market like we are here. So I think that's positive news. I mean, uh, just for what it is, I think we have to give credit for credit is due. This is decent enough news. Uh, it's going to be uh, affected by the macro situation as well. We had a visit today at the Fool from Bob Posen, who is now at MFS, before was at Fidelity, and earlier in his career uh, served with the, the, the SEC. And he pointed out in the discussion that a third of U.S. mortgages are underwater. It's hard to imagine, uh, if that doesn't get cured, how home builder stocks can uh, uh, you know, sustain their rally. Yeah. And there's not much of a cure for that. And as we've discussed here in the past, one of the main features of whether or not, indicators of whether or not somebody defaults on a mortgage isn't whether they can afford the monthly payment. It's their perception that they're underwater and that there's no point in paying off and they ditch. But I'm always uh, willing to malign home builders uh, <laughs> when James is willing to be nice. I won't do too much of it today, but I will point out that ev- anybody out there listening to this shouldn't shouldn't go off and run into home, buy home builder stocks because they're, they're a bit like bank stocks. They're really tough to figure out what's going on underneath. You have to have a lot of specialized knowledge about the business and then more specialized knowledge about the individual locations where each home builder operates. And so don't get excited. Unless you are willing to do that homework or you know what's going on, these are not good investments for you. Playboy is looking for some action. According to reports, the company is considering selling itself to Iconics Brand Group which owns and licenses brands like Candies and Joe Boxer. Shares of Playboy had lost around 75% of their value over the last two years, but were up more than 40% after the report came out. Is this a good investment for Iconics? Well, Chris, for perspective, you know, if, if somebody listening is not on top of the porn industry as we are here at Motley <laughs> Fool Money, um, Playboy's results have been soft for the past several years for, for a simple reason that you don't have to buy porn at the counter anymore. You know, Playboy was always kind of the gentleman's porn brand. Not that I would know, but uh, the <laughs> well, thing you is... You get it on your iPhone. Because you're not a gentleman. Exactly. <laughs> That's the reason, Jim. Um, Actually, it's not just Iconics. Iconics is trying to buy them, but so too is Golden Gate Capital. Apparently, Playboy has been talking with both of these guys for for almost a year, uh, which which makes it interesting. And I don't think they even want the porn. I think they just want the brand. Playboy has really built a, a, a an attractive brand on air fresheners and 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 what have you. So uh, yeah, we'll see where this goes. Hugh Hefner owns seventy percent of of the company, actually. So it'll it'll be up to him. Is Iconics also after spam? They ought to be. Why? Because you think that has some mixture with like it's Joe Boxer? A, it's, it's an iconic brand. Well, why not have that? And Playboy is about the, the, roughly the, the same as Spam, particularly nowadays. Or, or let me be a little uh, more kind. It's the Norman Rockwell of porn. I don't think that works in this market. I don't think Spam has the kind of international appeal that the Playboy logo. <laughs> Actually, oh, I think Spam has a lot oh. more. You'd be surprised how well that stuff sells in some... Stir-fried yeah, Spam with squirrel meat and a value meal? Yeah. That's mm. good eating. It's practical. And there's no way Hormel wants to get rid of spam. No way. (laughs) (laughs) Disney reported an 18% jump in fourth quarter profits. The company's cable networks, including ESPN and the Disney Channel, helped make up for sluggish consumer spending and declining profits at theme parks. Shares of Disney up around 40% for the year. 
Shannon, are we feeling the Disney magic? Well, so Disney is really a proxy for the overall U.S. economy. And I'll come to that in a moment, Chris. But first of all, <laughs> it's a very personal stock for me. So in my undergraduate days, I worked at the Epcot Center Kennel. And in some ways, that was the best job I ever had until I came to the Fool. My father-in-law spent his entire... So wait, a wait, kennel? A kennel? The, like, is that where they, really that where the, the people dressed up as animals were... Is that their changing room or something? Uh, no, uh, nor was I required to dress up as an animal. These were, you know, people bring their pets on their vacation. And what are they going to do? Leave them well, in their car? dogs. Some people do leave their dogs in the, in their cars in the Florida heat. And Ooh. so there is a kennel. Folks, if you don't know, uh, take your dog there. Otherwise, security will. If you guys <laughs> see it, so you would break into the car and remove the dog. Uh, I wouldn't. That was not my job. That was the role of security. Yeah, that's good. A, a that's Jimmy good. or whatever yeah. that's called. And they would uh, open the door and bring them in. And, and uh, amazingly, people would come to the kennel angry that they their dog had been rescued. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> their dog didn't die. Is there a the car stock like they had planned and collect the insurance money? I'm coming to that. <laughs> But the most important reason that Disney is an important stock for me is that I met my wife uh, there, and she worked in guest relations when I was working in the kennel. And the costume uh, in those days involved a plaid skirt and a riding crop, so it was love at first sight. Wow! Yeah, because of the costume. That's right. Are you are you you kidding about the riding crop? Uh, No. Wow. Does Kristen? I think I love Shannon's wife too. That she she does indeed. (laughs) She does indeed. So maybe at the holiday party, I'll uh, encourage her to please do. That would be fantastic. One, one more uh, personal anecdote before I get to the stock story, and, and that that is this, and this is sort of a good segue into it as well. So about 12 years ago, very generously, Chris's parents gave us 100 shares of Disney stock that were then priced at $30 a stub, as they say, and now it's $30.27. That's what the stock has done over that period of time. Now, the return has been better uh, because of the dividend. You bake that in. It's about 2.5% uh, over the last 10 years. But still, the stock has basically gone nowhere. Now, I think with this kind of earnings news, we're in a very interesting spot uh, for, for Disney because it is a proxy for the overall economy. Yes, their consumer stores and the, the, the parks and resorts are disappointing, and they're, they're, they're ticking down. But that's exactly what you would expect in this uh, phase of the economic cycle. And they're firing on all cylinders in terms of the, ca- uh, the cable channel, particularly around uh, uh, ESPN. So if that unit stays strong, and if the economy really does come back, and so the the parks and consumer retail side uh, perks up, this is a very interesting stock at this point. Maybe you should give the shares back as a, as a return gift. <laughs> so this is interesting because it shows actually what Disney isn't a stock I pay a lot of attention to, but the deep thought occurs to me that this is a, a very good diverse business because at the at the very time that people are not going out, uh, they're sitting on. Their keisters at home watching TV, Disney can still make a bunch of money exactly. off them. So exactly. that's that's pretty good. Aren't they getting too big, though? I mean, it, they seem to be buying everything in sight. I mean, it's, it's only a matter of time before they buy Playboy. Um, I mean, it's, <laughs> or doesn't that kill the, the creativity at some level? Yeah, I guess I guess there's always that that worry, but they seem to be doing a pretty good job with what they've got. So let's wait for the let's wait for them to do a horrible job before we start calling for them to, to break it apart. I think it's great that you're able to provide that kind of analysis of the business of Disney while I'm still focused on the image of Shannon's <laughs> wife with the plaid skirt and the riding car. As I am, I have to go. Okay, exit question. What's the most overrated Disney character? And I'm not talking Marvel or Pixar or any of that. I'm talking mm. like the old school Disney. It's either Chip or Dale. I can't decide which. <laughs> nice. Nice. I never really got any lessons from Snow White. <laughs> really? Yeah, it's just, what's the takeaway? It's, you know, it's just, just kind of hollow. I mean. Okay, I can see that. She was definitely the weak character in that movie. But yeah. a cutie. She, uh, sure, she yep, was yep. cute, but I mean, not as, not as entertaining as the dwarves. Mickey Mouse. I've never understood anybody's fascination with Mickey Mouse. I, I can't believe they built an empire on those ears. 
Or that voice. Oh, my God. Or that voice. Absolutely heinous. Good for them. I got to say, the the voice is is pretty amazing because, let's face it, if you knew someone or worked with someone and they talk like that, you would slap the hell out of them. Do you know who the first person to voice uh, Mickey was? Was it Walt? Walt himself and Steamboat Mickey. Steamboat Willie. Steamboat Willie. Thank you very much. Steve, jump in here. I'm going most underrated, uh, Lambert. Sheepish Lion. Do you guys know Lambert? Most no. underrated? Most underrated. Who's, uh, who is Lambert? Lambert is pretty underrated. Lambert is a, he was a sheep that lacked confidence. So he was referred to as Lambert the Sheepish Lion. In what movie? What, yeah. Exactly. He, he did not have a huge career, but. Was he they, only in shorts or something? He was in one short, I believe. And there was a cute little song about him. Is he Whoa. so underrated that none of us have ever heard of him? Google. And possibly you're making him up? See, what, our, what our <laughs> listeners can't see is through the glass, Steve is actually an aficionado of old timey stuff. His uh, office out there is decorated oh, yeah. with lots of old sort of 40s and 50s advertisements uh, with including, cartoon characters. Yeah, including including some, Disney some, How to Catch a Cold. Yeah. And by the way, Disney back then was telling you that the reason you got a cold was sitting in front of an open window. So, that, Wait, that's, that's not true? <laughs> Lambert, the sheepish lion. Check him out. <laughs> did, did, did Lambert hang out with uh, Asbestos Lady? I don't believe you. Oh, okay. Right. No, but that's coming soon. That's coming <laughs> soon. <laughs> believe me, the synergies with Marvel, they In are a coming Pixar soon. our presentation. All right, mm. let's wrap up. Give me one stock that is on your radar. Well, I, I got to stick with this personal Disney theme. I, I, I like it right now going forward. The, this is the, the, the soft spot for the parks and the resorts, but that's going to come back, uh, as will the consumer segment. A little worried about the consumer segment, uh, the, the revamp. Apparently, they're going to make the stores like Westworld, so there will be uh, Smell-O-Vision installations and then Snow White. Uh, not your favorite, James, I know, but she'll <laughs> apparently pop out at, of a... a cake? A, 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 not a cake. Oh. That would be something that Playboy might be interested in. Uh, but she'll pop out and pitch you or your child something. That's going to be a little creepy. But Whoa. as those segments come back, uh, the the strength that they're already experiencing on the the cable channel side will you know be fortified. I think there's a there's a potential upside. Discount for the fact that I own it and that my wife does indeed still have her guest relations costume. But I like it going forward. So, so Snow White is going to pitch your child something like right in front of you. So if you say no, you look like a jerk. It, yeah, and, and she's like a pushy uh, sales lady. That's gotcha, evil. gotcha. James, I'm going with Intel. Um, it's just kind of been on my radar lately. It's, it pays an above 3% dividend, like I mentioned earlier, and I think it could be an interesting time to pick up the stock given all the bad news circling around. Seth? I can't remember how often I've discussed Fossil on the podcast, and uh, anyway, it's a, a Hidden Gems recommendation, that, and I own it, and I was a little worried about the valuation not long ago uh, because consumers aren't buying stuff. At least they didn't seem to be buying stuff like watches and handbags and all of this stuff that Fossil makes, but they had their uh, recent Q3 earnings and they just slapped it out of the park. They are selling a lot of watches, a lot of high-end watches. They've got their own brands as well as making brands for uh, famous licenses like Diesel and others. They're doing really well with uh, worldwide expansion, doing well with new products like uh, leather bags and other accessories in Europe and other places. So I moved ahead to move it back to Team One and Hidden Gems and, and take another look because this is a company that is not only doing a great job with earnings, but the CEO gets paid zero actually works for nothing, not that fake nothing, but a real nothing. He owns a lot of shares and he says, I don't need any more comp. I'm going to work to maximize the value of these shares. And so the rest of us should expect fossil watches from you for Christmas? I actually was looking at the website. That's a joke. But I was looking at the website to do a little research, and I was so impressed with a couple of the, the lower-end watches that just look really great that I sent the I did the email thing to my wife and said, uh, if you're looking for ideas, here they are. So... 
All right. And and does your wife know all of our sizes, our watch sizes? <laughs> we'll have to just go to uh, Fashion Time at Tyson's Corner and get them adjusted. Fair enough. Seth Jason, James Hurley, Shannon Zimmerman. Guys, thanks for being here. Good to be You're with welcome. you, Chris. That's it for this edition of Motley Fool Money. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about. Don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. Do your homework and make your own decisions. And remember, the conversation continues 24-7 at Fool.com. I'm Chris Hill. We'll see you next time. You pulled it up, didn't you? You pulled up Lampert. <laughs> you have Lampert on YouTube. Lampert, the sheepish lion. Lampert is always trying to be a wild and woolly sheep. Lampert, the sheepish lion. Little lambs are love to butt their heads on a stone. Lampert thought that he could lick a dozen lambs alone. While the other lambs all gathered round. To watch this funny bout, he wanted to be counted in. But he was counted out. <laughs>